That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Sober Guy Radio. We're out in Nashville, Tennessee. Innovations in Behavioral Healthcare Conference, sponsored by Foundations Recovery Network. Today, we're talking with James McManus, founder and CEO of Family First Adolescent Services. James, man, welcome to the show. Thank you, Shane. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on. I'm digging the fact that you're in a saucy-ass suit with some flip-flops on right now, man. Always, I love man. it. Looking Always. good. Looking good. South Florida. Yes, yes. So let's get into that a bit. You're from... Uh, well, I, I believe, are you from California? I know you lived in California. I'm originally from, from Florida. Uh, moved out to California in uh, 2003. Uh, did a bunch of uh, different style work over there and uh, moved back to South Florida probably about 2007. Got it, got it. Okay. And um, I understand, so you're in recovery yourself. Correct. We'll, we'll get into the professional side of it. I'd like to jump in maybe to a little bit of the personal side. Sure. Uh, tell us about your life, man, before, um, before you got clean and sober. Well, I'll tell you, um, you're from California, so you understand the, uh, the, the nature of uh, the, the housing markets out there in like yeah. 2003 and four. Yes. So my different style of work was I was in subprime mortgage um, <laughs> out, uh, out in, in, in L.A. County and, and Orange County. And, uh, man, I was uh, running and gunning and uh, 23, 24 years old, and wow. there was a lot of, lot, of, lot of bad news out there. Yeah. Um, and I uh, was a part of... Uh, Unfortunately, uh, regretfully, a part of uh, a major collapse of uh, a lot of people's lives. So um, I got myself into treatment again in 2007 after uh, collapsing out of that. And, uh, you know, I, I got a lot of good help from people. And I just thought, I could do this, too. Yeah. I, I could help people. I could be a, I could be a therapist. And yeah. Went back, got a master's. And, no way. And, and that was in your, mid, your mid-20s? Mid-20s. Uh, finished up. I was working full-time, doing master's at night. Um, and did a two-year state internship and you know, just put together a five-year plan and, and executed it. Wow, that's awesome. I know it's funny, man, when uh, us as, uh, as addicts and alcoholics, when we, we get that tunnel vision on something and when we put the effort we put into getting high into something positive, man, it, like we can really make some changes not only with ourselves but then with totally. other people too. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, so um, so you, you go to school. Uh, you go back to school. Tell us a little bit about um, about uh, First Family. Family First. I'm Adoles- sorry, Family First. That's cool. Family First Adolescent Services was something uh, um, I conceptualized with uh, a, a, a dear friend of mine, Ben Cecil, who is uh, our clinical director. And um, we recognized in Palm Beach County, you know, that this mecca for... Um, for treatment for people 18 and above, there was nothing. There was nothing for kids there that made any sense to us at all. And there was definitely no intensive outpatient or outpatient services, family work revolving around yeah. that, nothing. So, uh, again, man, we hustled. We, uh, we did it all ourselves. And uh, I worked uh, as a private practitioner and, um, you know, at night and uh, uh, during the day, we, we were networking, marketing our, ourselves and our program. And, uh, I'm trying to help kids and families. Yeah. Yeah, it's such an important thing with kids, um, and I'm, I'm sure it's a, a, can be challenging at times. We're working in any field of addiction. Let me back up just a, just, just a minute here. Um, I wanted to ask you, what finally clicked for you? 
like in that moment, was there like a certain light bulb moment that went off where, where you just decided like, I can't live this lifestyle? Was it, was there some guilt involved? Um, like what, what did it? Man, it's, uh, I, I don't know how suitable it is for, <laughs> for, for radio, <laughs> but there was a pretty graphic evening and, uh-huh. uh, I just came out of it, you know, eight in the morning. It was like, I, you know, I'm going to die. Or, or, wow. or worse to me, honestly, was uh, um, like being just completely mediocre and being a loser. You know, I was going to, you know, I had several arrests and uh, I was just, it was just going down, man. And all my yeah. friends were, were succeeding and, you know, everybody from college was doing well, from high school was doing well. And there was James, you know, just the, yeah. the F up. Wow. Let's uh let's let's kind of get into 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 the adolescent part of this man. It's such a huge deal. Um, there's an epidemic in the country right now. I'm sure you're definitely more knowledgeable of it than I am um, in in a more detailed base. Uh, talk a little bit about what you're dealing with, what you're seeing coming in on a daily basis. Well, I think um, for us the the most difficult part is um, uh, parental education and and in turn uh, their their attitude towards drugs and alcohol because of the way that they grew up. So generationally, right, um, you know, when I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 36 years old, my parents grew up in the 40s and 50s. And I mean, it yeah. was locked down. I mean, that was not, I mean, people were, were drinking heavily and things like that. But uh, I mean, like the attitude towards drugs was a lot different then than it yeah. was in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And so now we have these parents that are from that, that era and that generation. And, um, you know, that they're... Uh, uh, the common theme is, well, it's just pot, or, um, and then we have to educate them on the difference between their pot and the kids, the kids' weed now, yeah. which is like, you know, out of control. It's like 80% THC yeah. wax, and yeah. it's, it's intense. So, yeah. just the, um, the, the, the misinformation that the parents have is uh, a difficulty for us to overcome. But kids are, you know, I, I don't think things since we were kids have changed all that much. Their access to prescription pills, obviously, is a little bit uh, more intense. And uh, in turn, you're going to find more uh, opiate addiction. Uh, Do you but, see that a lot with, with kids coming in with opiate addictions that uh, usually start by stealing it from their parents' cabinet? It's kind of the classic, almost cliche, I guess. Um, do you do you deal with that a lot, and then yes. it turns into maybe a heroin addiction later on? Yeah, um, I think you know. In the end, I, we try and explain like none of the, the kids that even take the pills um, didn't start for the most part with alcohol and marijuana. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, a lot of the kids are not just like jumping right into snorting Xanax and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. That they start somewhere different and at a lower level, but. Uh, Yes, we're we're finding that then you you come across an 18 or 19 year old that's using IV drugs. It's you know they've found uh, uh, pills for sure prior yeah. to to that. Uh, what, what's what's one thing uh, that you that you see often um, that really hits hard with you? Oh man, um, you know just uh, just recently we had. Uh, um, a family come in and it just things just didn't move as quickly as as you know they should have, and the young man ended up getting shot over um, a, a drug deal. And this was a family that was from Jupiter, Florida, 17 years old. Um, it's it, it really really messed me up for for a little while, uh, and it and it messes with our staff when kids because yeah. they're just kids. Yeah. It's, it's a different thing, man. They're, 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 they, four years ago, they were building forts, you know, yeah. that they're not like these uh, adults man. that we try and treat them as like, and some kids are, you know, the kids that are physically larger and things like that. And that you think that 
they're adults, they're not. They're 17 years old. Their brains are eight years away from being fully developed. They're still babies, you know. There's still there's still a lot of innocence there. That, right. Uh, well, then, and, that, and that's got to be a challenge too, man. Is having having that come in and almost having to treat them in an adult-like fashion, but at the same time trying to stay in tune that, like, just like you're saying, they are kids. Um, here's a question for you: How do you deal, you know, you and your staff? Um, on a pro- how do you separate that professional side and the personal side? Because, you, like you said, um, you know, and especially being being you know your background too in, in recovery and um, like how do you how do you go home and do you take that home with you? I guess turn is what it I'm, off. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, how do you turn it off, man? It, it's hard. This one especially was hard for me. I had to, to call. Uh, you know, I, I reach out and I've got uh, my own. Uh, support networks and I've got my own therapy I've got my own AA I've got my own everything that uh, keeps me um, in a a bit because this isn't I mean this is a different field than than you're going to be in there's going to be a lot of tragedy there's going to be a lot of the nature of this you know that a large percentage of these people don't get the help and don't get it and they end up you know dying or uh, in in harsh legal consequences which is also difficult to see kids make those huge mistakes at 17 and um, but we, we talk about it as a staff a lot. And honestly, man, that there's that thing about gallows humor. Um, if you were in one of our staff meetings, you'd think we probably didn't really care at all. But uh, it's like... Uh, you, you almost have, have to. Huh? Yes. Yeah, you have to um, um, desensitize yourself a little bit from it. Moving into... We're, t- we're talking about addiction. We're talking about alcoholism. How much, how much of those... How much of goes with that is anxiety, depression? Um, you know, I know they kind of play a part hand in hand. What do you see with that coming in? Uh, even like cutting too. I don't know if you deal with anything about that. We I talked sure. a little bit about that before. Can you touch on that? Um, you're going to find uh, if you start getting into uh, in-depth assessments with kids, you're going to find that their family members, you start talking to mom and dad and start talking to them about their siblings and their parents. And a commonality and a common thread you're going to find is anxiety and different ways that um, family members manage the anxiety. But um, kids, once you smoke weed at like 13 and you've got a ton of anxiety, it's the best thing in the world ever. And it works really well. And unfortunately, it uh, becomes a coping mechanism and, and, and you're not able to walk through that adolescent period and develop the proper ones yeah. um, to deal with that stuff. But uh, uh, kids, for the most part, do not meet a lot of the, what do we call, like, you know, full criteria for substance use disorders. Yeah. Underlying it is, you know, their anxiety, their depression, and this stuff needs to, it's 25-30% what's called comorbidity, and that means both exist. And if you can, of course, first you have to uh, filter out substance use because the medicine doesn't work. Then you go see yeah. a psychiatrist and... You know, the, the, whatever they're prescribed, um, Wellbutrin, Prozac, it's not going to work. It's counter, yeah. going to be counteracted by alcohol and drugs. So, yeah. But a lot of these kids are facing um, a lot more than just substance use problems. Well, yeah, and I, I, I would imagine that uh, the family life has got to be a huge, a huge issue and a huge uh, underlining foundation for the treatment that, sh- that, um, that you're working with. What are some of the challenges you face with the families coming in, man? Like the mom or the dad, or I mean, that's that's got to be tough. Oh man, um, they can be uh, they can be challenging for sure. Yeah. Um, I you know you often are gonna gonna talk to uh, um, to, to family members. 
the kids are not there by mistake. Um, and, yeah. and it's not to shame or blame or do anything. We, we try and dive into that system and see what's not working. Oftentimes, this is a generational this stuff is generational. Their parents, the way that their parents treated them, the way their parents, you know, yeah. um, and their environment. And Well, you were getting into that even in the beginning about with, with your parents and, you know, my parents too. They're, that generation was so different than right. alcohol, drugs. It was looked at from a completely different perspective versus what it is today. Right. I mean, I'll give you an example. So we were, um, and this is just a, a generational thing for the kids now. We were, at, we have a gender-specific intensive outpatient. And so at the very beginning, we, you know, were appalled at how many, I mean, you know, everyone's got a, got an iPhone and, and everything and we're all adults and things, but we were appalled at how many like nude pictures were being sent by like really? 14, 15, 16 year old boys and girls back no and forth. Way. And, um, and we just had a recent staff meeting and we, um, we just started laughing. We were like, I mean, who isn't? And in like, not one of our kids is not doing, this is like a social norm. Yeah. It's wow. a social norm for these kids to do it. Um, I mean, I you know, God help me if I had a, an iPhone at, at 15 or 16. So it, it's tough sometimes to think back, um, you know. Yeah. Uh, but well, it's it's the it's the majority and not the minority. Well, I got I have one more question for you, and then we're gonna get into the heart and hustle round, and I'll tell you what that is in just a moment. Okay. Cool. So. Uh, to someone out there listening right now who maybe themselves or maybe it's a family member who has somebody struggling with addiction, depression, anxiety, um, they, don't, they don't know where to turn, they don't know what to do, um, you know, maybe they feel hopeless, man. What, what kind of advice would you give them, James? Well, at Family First Adolescent Services, we offer a free consultation um, to, to folks just coming in to check things out. I think that that would be important wherever you are to find a facility or find a practitioner that's willing to give you a few minutes just to um, discuss your, uh, I, I doubt psychiatrists will, will, will offer that. That's just a, a general uh, stereotype they may, but uh, to find someone just to be able to, to shoot around for, for a few minutes and, and, and see if that is going to be a fit for you. Yeah. Just the act of picking up the phone is a huge deal. It's like the gym or something. It's like the first yeah. time you go to the yeah. gym, it's like, um, it's it's brutal, and uh, to be able to pick up and reach out and ask for help, we have a, a large network across the country that we would be able to um, uh, specifically, and especially for adolescents. If anyone ever wanted to call us, uh, my cell phone's five six one three one five three seven six seven. And again, we're Family First Adolescent Services in Palm Beach Gardens. Be willing to talk to anyone and um, and see if we can find you services in your area. Thanks, James. Uh, let's get into the heart and hustle round. Uh, this, this, is, this is five quick questions, uh, and you're going to put your heart into each answer, but okay. answer them in 30 seconds to a minute. Okay? Got it. All right, so this first one is the fun one, man. This is, this is my favorite one. Where is the weirdest place you've ever woken up? Um, a dog cage <laughs> in the back of a pickup truck in, in um, Rosarito, Mexico. Wow. With the federales driving the, oh, man. the pickup okay. truck. All right, number two, what's the best thing about being sober? Uh, best thing, I think, is getting up every day and, um, and just feeling clear and feeling uh, um, in control of my life to a point. I understand that there's uh, a lot of uncertainty, but just getting up and feeling good, man. Yeah. Like, feeling I can, you know, I'm on it. I can yeah. do this. I'm sharp. Number three, if there was one thing you know now you wish you could, you wish you could have known at the beginning of your sobriety, what would it be? At the beginning of my sobriety... Um, that it's, I mean, and I could probably just continue to tell myself this, it really does all work out. 
You just keep going, put together a nice plan, and execute the plan, and there's going to be a lot of hiccups and bumps, but just don't stress so much. Yeah, yeah. Number four, how do you stay sober? I go to home group every week. Uh, I've got a sponsor. I've got a therapist. I've got a what we call our 10-step groups. You know, that there's a bunch of guys that uh, I respect. I mean, it, and I don't, uh, you know, prescribe this for everyone, but my entire life has really revolved around it. And uh, all my friends are in it. And it's not like a bad thing for me. I mean, I'm yeah, around yeah. alcohol and my girlfriend drinks. My, you know, I'm, I don't care about a, a lot of that. Um, but my support network is entirely of guys that understand what it's like to have your brain try and kill you. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it, man. I never heard of it like that. Uh, all right, man. So uh, number five, one more time, uh, just tell us uh, about Family First Adolescent Services. Where can folks find that? Uh, the website and any phone numbers, anything else, James? www.familyfirstas as an adolescent services.com. So Family First Adolescent Services uh, can be found uh, at 561-328-7370. And my cell phone is 561-315-3767. We're a company based out of Palm Beach Gardens. Um, true adolescent treatment in outpatient and residential form. James, enjoy Nashville, my friend, and uh, thank right you so on. much for joining us on Sober Guy Radio. I appreciate it, Shane. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information or to join the Sober Guy, Sober Girl community, go to www.thatsoberguy.com. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.